Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would just join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are, Lord, humbled to be in your presence this morning. Lord, as we just stand um, in all of who you are and what you've done for us. And I think about the words that was just sung. I mean, the God of salvation that chased down our hearts and all of our failures and pride. On the hill you created, the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. So, Lord, we stand before you this morning recognizing who we are, sinners, guilty, before a holy throne. But we stand before you this morning covered, cleansed by the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we come to this time of the service where we open your word, Lord, we just pray that you would bind the enemy from this place. Lord, we pray that you would lift our eyes from whatever it is that our eyes are upon. Lord, the things that we walked into this room with, Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would see you, and that the truth of who you are and the truth of who we are, Lord, would be what solidifies us. And so, Lord, in this place this morning, I pray a work that only you can do. That you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for salvation. And thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. We pray it, we ask it in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. I just want to first of all say thank you uh, to so many of you guys. Um, October each year is Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, you guys have just been amazing. Uh, I know there's a little thing set up in Lobby C where you can, you know, write cards to our staff and to our, our, our directors and ministers and all that, and uh, they've just been so timely, and so I want to thank you guys. I mean, in the office, people have been so gracious and faithful. We've had brownies. We've had cookies. We had homemade deviled eggs. I mean, we had a wide range of different things that have come through the office, and they've all been amazing, and so just I want to say thank you to your guys. You guys are are always such an encouragement, I know, to me, um, and so timely so many times how the Lord will just use your words, um, you know, just, just to encourage our hearts. And so I, I, I thank you. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I speak on behalf of our staff and our leaders uh, that we are honored um, and humbled uh, to serve here at River Oak Church. Um, it's a pretty cool thing. And so if you've got your Bibles in here, I'm going to ask you to do it with me to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, we're going to walk through and be concluding chapter 1 today. Three weeks, not a bad thing. 21 verses. Um, I should write kudos, right? Three weeks usually takes us six weeks to get through 21 verses. So we're good. We're getting there. And so the plan is to keep moving through Second Peter um, into uh, the Thanksgiving season. That's, I can't believe I just said that. And even to Christmas, um, we'll conclude Second uh, Peter. Peter. And so if you've been with us, you know that even in the spring, we are walking through 1 Peter. 
And the title of the series is Live for More. You're going to see those three words a lot even beyond the series of something that really ha- the Lord has really, you know, um, etched in our hearts uh, as a staff, to live for more. And we want to unpack that uh, not only through the book of Second Peter, but also as we continue uh, into the new year. What, what exactly does that mean for us as a church? And so if you've got your back Bible, Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 16. But before we do, I've read the same passage now for three weeks. And I'll read, I want to read it again in verse 12. And so go to verse 12 there if you would. Uh, there it is. So Second Peter chapter 1 verse 12. And so the words of Peter, okay, again, I think it's so critical that you put in mind the person who is writing these words. I think it's so important as we study not only First Peter, but now Second Peter, you know, to reflect upon the man. To reflect upon the man who was called by Jesus in Luke 5 as the brother of Andrew. We know Andrew was the first one to encounter Christ. And then Peter, and they turn and they leave everything behind. But to follow the man who had a history, right? I mean, we know Peter, there were times when he was faithful, but we also know that there were times when he was unfaithful. I mean, this was the man who stepped out in faith and trusted the Lord and walked upon water. I know we give him a hard time because he sunk, but how many of us would have even stepped out of the boat? And so, I mean, here was a man of faith who trusted the Lord in the middle of the storm to walk upon the water. This was the man who witnessed the teachings, the miracles of Christ. You know, this was the man who Jesus said, you would deny me three times, and he swore to Christ to his face, not I. Maybe some of these other knuckleheads, but I will not deny you, Jesus. This is the Peter. That on the night that Christ was hung upon the cross, not only did he rebuke the name of Jesus, he cursed the name of Jesus. This is Peter. This is Peter that encountered the resurrected Christ there on the shore. If you remember, as he's there fishing and he jumps out of the boat once again, I guess he loved the water, and he swam to Jesus. Didn't he want to wait for the boat to get to the shore? And Jesus very lovingly reconciled him and commissioned him for the gospel. This is Peter. This is Peter now writing this letter on the heels of his death. Many believe from a prison in Rome. Many believe maybe a year, just two years before he himself was crucified for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Upside down because he did not count himself worthy to die in the same manner of his Savior. This is Peter. And he says these words in verse 12. He says this, For this reason I'll be not negligent to remind you always of these things. What are these things? The first 11 verses. Though you know and are established in the present truth, yes, I think it is right. As long as I am in this tent, he says, as long as I am alive, as long as there's air in my lungs, blood pumping through my veins, I will complain, proclaim this. Why? Because he was a personal eyewitness. He encountered, he experienced Jesus in his victories but also his failures. He says, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, this body, just as our Lord Jesus showed me moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things. We know these things is in reference to verses 1 through 11. If you go back and you look at verses 1 and 2, he speaks of the like precious faith. He talks about righteousness unto Christ. Verse 2, grace and peace multiplied you in your relationship with Jesus. The riches, verse 3, the divine power that is given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Verse 4, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that we are partakers, partakers of the divine nature. And then now our responsibility, verse 5, what does he say? Give diligence to your faith faith. Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. For if you do these things, you are fruitful. And he says, he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to the point of, of failing to realize that they have been forgiven of their sins. And then in verse 10 and 11, be more diligent to make your salvation sure that you do these things, you will not stumble. And I love verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly 
and to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we're going to jump to verse 16. I want to invite you to stand with me in reverence to reading God's word. We know that one of the main subjects of the second letter of Peter is false teaching. It's addressing false teaching. Anytime truth is proclaimed, hear what I'm saying this morning. Anytime truth is proclaimed, the enemy opposes it. Let me say it again. Anytime truth is proclaimed, the enemy opposes it. There are some people who walked in the doors of this church with lies. The enemy has been lying. They've been lying. He's been lying. And it's stuck. It is stuck upon you. And rather than looking through the filter of truth, you're looking through the filter of emotions. You're looking through the filter of feelings. You're looking through the filter of only what you can see in the here and now. The enemy lies. And anytime truth is proclaimed, the enemy will oppose it. I say that to say I'm the guy that proclaims truth on Sunday mornings, and it happens in my life the moment I step off this stage. The enemy opposes it. I'm with you on Monday morning. Try being the guy. Try, being the, try not only just being the person who heard truth. Try being the guy who's proclaimed truth. And a lie starts to stick and the Holy Spirit goes, really? Like, I do think that the Holy Spirit says really to me sometimes. Like, really? Really? Like, you just, you were the guy preaching these words on Sunday. And this lie is going to stick upon you and you're going to believe it? He addresses it. Look at what he says here, verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Very important phrase there. We'll come back to it. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word. Here it is confirmed, confirmed which you will do well to heed to, to not only just believe truth, but to heed to truth, to not only just proclaim truth, but to submit to truth, to not only just say, yeah, I believe it, but to live it. You will do well to heed to the light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for truth. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives within us, that takes the truth of your word, Lord, and that leads us in it, guides us in it, convicts us in it. Lord, we thank you for your presence in our lives that comes by faith in Christ alone. And so, Lord, first and foremost, each week my prayer, if someone has walked in the doors of this church that does not know you, has never turned from their sins, repented of their sins, confessed their sins, and turned and called upon a Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. We're not promised this afternoon. We're not promised tomorrow. And, Lord, it's not random. It's not a coincidence that we're here. Whether we're in the room, whether we're in overflow, or whether we're watching this on a computer, Lord, it is not a coincidence. And the enemy opposes truth. So may truth be proclaimed, and may that truth solidify itself within our hearts and minds and be the lens in which we look into our lives. May the name of Jesus be lifted high, and Lord, may your presence be full in this place. We ask it, we pray it, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. 
you know, I was talking to, we had a great new members class yesterday, and I've said it before, it's one of my favorite things I get to do. I get to, you know, hear their stories. I got to get to hear kind of, you know, how they came to River Oak, and it's just an awesome thing. It's, it's really cool, the different uh, twists and turns and the different types of people that, that show up here. I just think it's an, an, an awesome thing. But we were talking about this yesterday. We were talking about spiritual disciplines, and we are talking about building spiritual disciplines in our lives, not just on Sunday morning, but, yeah, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Like, what are some things that we can build into our lives to make sure of this? to make sure that we're walking in truth. And we talked about God's Word. We talked about time in God's Word. And we talked about how critical that is. You know, recognizing that every single day in the life of the believer is a battle. If you believe that, say amen. Amen? Man, it's a battle. It's a battle. And I know it happens because I've sat there and I've been the guy on stage where you hear truth and you're like, yeah, I believe that. And you step out. And almost the moment you walk out of this place, the enemy is just bombarding you with different things. And you start to go, well, well, well maybe that and maybe that. And, and then you begin to look through this lens of things that aren't truth. And it begins to affect our decisions and the direction that we go. And so we were talking yesterday about truth, 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 knowing that, I mean, here is Peter addressing false teaching. We know that the letter's been delivered, the first Peter has been delivered, and that there were those who were entering the church declaring, okay, that's not true. It's specifically even the second coming. You're going to see that's the main theme, that here are these false teachers saying, no, those are fables. That's why he calls it out for that. These are fables. These are things that these men have come up with in their own hearts. And here's Peter declaring, no, this is truth. And by the way, I'm a personal eyewitness of it. Someone cannot deny your personal witness of something. That if you've personally witnessed it with your own eyes, somebody can come by and say, well, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about this. But if you've seen it with your own eyes, you know it to be true. And you think about it even in our own salvation, right? I mean, there are those who can say, well, there's not a God and Jesus and all that stuff is fables and the Bible's an old book. It doesn't pertain. Listen, if God's changed your life and changed your heart, guess what you are? You are a personal eyewitness to a miracle of God. And other people can deny that, encounter that. But now you, you've seen it. You know what God's done in your life. You know the path that you were walking. You know the things that consumed you and the things that distracted you and the things that were basically controlling you in your life. And God delivered you of that. It doesn't mean you don't struggle. It doesn't mean you don't stumble. It doesn't mean you don't fail. But God has given you a new heart and a new path to follow. And you're a personal eyewitness of that. Here's Peter stepping in and going, no, 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 no. I've seen it. I've walked with this man. I saw his teaching. I saw his miracles. And guess what else I saw? I saw his grace. I saw his grace. I saw him on the cross with my own eyes, experiencing suffering and pain beyond anything that any human being has ever experienced. And in the midst of that, while there were men spitting upon him, I saw with my own eyes, he declared, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. I've seen this man. And by the way, I failed this man. Can't we all identify? I failed this man. And rather than coming and pouring guilt upon me, what did he do? He restored me. He showed me grace. He showed me peace. And he commissioned me. And he desires to use me. Peter says, I've seen this with my own eyes. And what does he say? Until I die. I'm going to keep proclaiming this. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we view this as truth? Can we honestly say that when we look upon this book, that this is the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God? Do we say it with our heads, but do we believe it in our heart with our lives? 
That's a hard question. I mean, do we believe the words of David, right? Psalm 19, verse 7, 8, what does he say? The law of the Lord is what? Perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Do we believe that, that this book is trustworthy, that our God is trustworthy with our lives, with our kids? Do we believe that? Making wise to simple, the precepts of the Lord are right. Giving joy to the heart, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The words of Isaiah 55, 10, For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and bring forth a bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me, what? Void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. This book is critical, man. On Monday, man, this truth is critical, right? Because we know that the moment we wake up, man, the enemy's, hey, he's countering, he's countering, he's countering. As we go to work, he's countering, he's countering. As we look at those around us, he's countering. We see them sometimes in our flesh, and we see them sometimes in our emotions and feelings, but the Lord wants us to see them with his eyes. The enemy's countering, he's countering. Our struggles, our storms... We see it in our humanness, right? And the questions begin to come up. Why? God, if you're sovereign and you're on your throne, why? If you're good, really, then why these things in my life? And the whys are okay. Listen, I'm encouraged to know that even my Savior upon the cross proclaimed, my God, my God, why? But the question is this. What do we do with those whys? As we stand at the crossroads of the questions of our lives, do we turn to a Savior or do we believe the lies? That's a hard thing. And it's never a once and for all deal. In one moment we turn to a Savior, guess what? You're going to have another opportunity seven seconds later. So Peter declares these words. Look at what he says, verse 16. For we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I love this. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. What is Peter saying? Listen, I was just fishing one day, dude. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was just out fishing with my brother one day, trying to make a living, trying to make uh, money. And guess what? I wasn't pursuing the Lord, but the Lord was pursuing me. If you're thankful for that, let me hear you say amen. amen. I was just doing my own thing. There wasn't fulfillment. There wasn't joy, but I was doing my own thing. I was, I was consumed in my own time. But the Savior came after me. And we see that in Luke 5, right? I mean, he's like, I'm just fishing my own business. I'm with my brother Andrew. And in Luke 5, I encounter a Savior. But I was never the same. Doesn't mean I was perfect. And we know that. We have record of that of his life. But I was never the same. And so what I am passing on to you is the truth that I've seen with my own eyes. What I'm passing on to you is what the Holy Spirit has inspired in my heart to now share. You see that in the Gospels, right? I mean, 1 John 1, the Apostle John writes these words. Listen to how he phrases these things. He says, that which from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. What does he say? I've seen it even with my five senses. I've experienced it. Verse 2, the life was manifested, Christ, and we have seen and bear witness and declared the eternal life, which was the Father manifested to us. That which we have what? Seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be, say it with me. That your joy may be, say it with me. Is your joy full this morning? And you know what's cool about that? What I'm not asking you is how's your life going. That's not what I'm asking you. Is your joy full this morning? Is your joy full? 
Some of you are in the darkest times of your life. You know what the promise of God's word is? If we're in Christ and we're seeking Christ and we're walking in truth, your joy can remain full. That's a promise. That we don't have to ride this wave of, hey, I'm good as long as things are good and I'm bad as long as things are bad. But no, Lord, there are some things that are fixed. There are some things that are finished. I am secure because I've personally experienced a Savior. And because of what a Savior has done in my heart and life, listen, I know the end of the story. I don't know all the twists and turns of how I'm going to get there, but I know the end of the story. I felt like I was just dancing right there. Look at what he says. He sets the record straight. We didn't follow devised fables. The word devised means to invent something for a deceitful purpose. Peter says, hey, there's no deceit in my heart here. Fables, obviously, false stories that are made up are passed along. He said, we didn't follow those things when we made known. That word, phrase made known, you find all throughout the New Testament. It refers to a a revelation given with authority. And I love this. The book of Romans ends with these words. Romans 16, 25, 26, and 27 says this. Now, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. But now, but now manifest that by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of everlasting God for obedience to faith, for God alone and wise be glory through Jesus Christ. Peter says, I want to make this known. What does he want to make known? Look at the next part of verse 16. The power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word coming can also be translated appearing. As we know, these false teachers were not just undermining Peter's teaching in general. They were specifically attacking his teachings on the return of Christ. And you see that in his writings, not only in the second letter, but also the first. But let's skip ahead a little bit. Go to chapter 3, if you would. 2 Peter chapter 3, the final chapter of this book. That's why I know we're going to get through before Christmas. It's only three chapters. How could we not? Second chip, Peter 3, Christmas 2020. All right, here it says, Beloved, he says, Beloved, I write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Same thing, remind you, remind you, remind you. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the Holy Prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing this first, Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying what? What are they countering? What are they countering? Where is the promise of his coming? You go to his first letter, you find the same thing. I'll give you some verses, you can go back and look. You'll probably remember these if you were with us in the spring. It says, 1 Peter 1, 13, gird up the loins of your mind, guard the lords of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that's be brought to you. Here it is at the revelation, the appearing of Jesus Christ. You go to chapter 4, verse 13, says the same thing, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering. And then here it is, that when his glory is revealed, notice the word when, not if, when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. The last chapter, chapter 5, verse 4, he says this, and when, there it is again, and when the chief shepherd appears, verse 4, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. He says, listen, it's not a matter of if, It's a matter of when. Let me ask you this. If you believe that Christ is coming again, let me hear you say amen. Amen? Amen. Now, here's a conviction right here. I always know that's one of my best amens of a Sunday morning. I know that, right? That if I'm struggling and you guys didn't have your coffee and you're out late last night and you're kind of like, I know that I can say, hey, if Jesus is coming again, say amen. Amen? Amen. It works every time. (laughs) And I don't do it out of a, anyway. So, I want the Amen. We believe that, right? I grew up in the church, man. My dad's a pastor. I grew up, my dad would say, do you believe that Jesus is coming in? Yes, amen. How many times did we think that this past week? 
How many times did your mind at any point in time, Monday through Saturday, go, man, Jesus could come today? I'm anticipating his return. Now, I'm just asking you the same stuff the Holy Spirit asking me. Listen, I had to deal with it all week. Now y'all got to deal with it, all right? That's what happens on Sunday mornings as I'm preparing these messages. The reason I'm so wound up is because I'm like, y'all deal with this stuff, man. The Holy Spirit's tearing me apart. Y'all deal with this stuff. So Thursday morning, I'm preparing this message. The Holy Spirit asks me that. He's, you stand up and you get a good amen when you say, hey, do you believe that Jesus is coming in? How does it impact your life? On Wednesday, are you thinking that? When you're accounting a storm, are you thinking to yourself, man, in this storm, Jesus, you could come again, and I want you to find me faithful in it. If you're going through hardships and sufferings that maybe you didn't bring on yourself, in that moment, are you thinking, man, Jesus could appear right now, and Lord Jesus, come, and may you find me faithful. This was so on the heart of Peter that he says, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you, because listen, I've experienced it, and he tells us right here, look at where this goes. The end of verse 16, for we did not follow seemingly devised fails, made known to you the power and come of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we're what? Eyewitnesses of, notice this phrase, his majesty. The word majesty can be translated splendor, grandeur, magnificence. What is he talking about here? Is he just merely talking about the resurrected Christ? Or is he talking about something else more specific? Well, let's follow. This is exciting. Look at verse 17 and 18. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I will please. Here's a great trivia question. You can stump the people in your life group who don't come today. Here's a great trivia question. How many times in the New Testament does God the Father declare audibly, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased? Does anyone know? I heard it too. First one. Does anyone know the first one? Baptism. Baptism by, the Holy Spirit, or baptism by John the Baptist. The Father declares, this is my son whom I'll please. The second one, does anyone know? Very good. Y'all are smarter than the 8 o'clock. I knew y'all more spiritual than the 8 o'clock. You know, it's funny. I told them I was going to say that because I said to them that they were the most spiritual. Every service I say y'all are the most spiritual. Anyway, y'all are the most spiritual. So the transfiguration is the second one. So this is a direct reference to that. And he tells us, right? Look at what he says. He gives us insight. For he received from God the Father iron glory with such a voice came to him from the excellent. This is my beloved son with whom I well pleased. Verse 18. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when? When we were with him on the holy mountain. We know the holy mountain being Mount Hermon. We know him or with him. He's referring to himself, James, and John. Let's go there and let's see what happens. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew 17. Mark your spots. Go to Matthew 17 and let's read the encounter that, G that Peter is referring to. Verses 1 through 9. I'll just read it. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a how mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Now, let's capture this for a second. The word transfigured means this, to change the outside to match the inside. So allow that to sink in for a moment. They have been walking with the human Jesus, fully God, fully man. A mystery, I get it, I'm a pastor. That is a mystery beyond anything I can wrap my human mind around. Fully God, but fully man. And they've witnessed him, right, in his human form. They've witnessed him perform miracles. They've witnessed him walk upon water. They've witnessed him have authority over the storms. But now they're getting just going to catch a glimpse of who he is on the inside, on the outside. Look at what happens. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared. Let me back up. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. 
Then Peter answered and said to the Lord, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud. Let me just tell you how my mind works. Can I just give you guys some insight into my mind? I'm reading that thinking Peter runs his mouth all the time. Right? He's the self-proclaimed spokesman of the disciples. You see it like there's so many times where nobody's asking for something, but Peter just speaks. I identify with that, okay? Sometimes in my mouth, it's humorous to me that I'm a pastor. I'm just going to be real with y'all. It's humorous to me that I'm a pastor because this mouth has gotten me in so much trouble over the years. Can I just tell you that? I've been cut off because of my mouth. Got punched. Because... Anyway, so my mouth's got me in trouble, Okay. It's true in the middle of a basketball game. Anyway, so this is so so this is where my mind goes to this. Peter's experiencing this thing, and guess what Peter does? He just starts talking. Nobody asked him to talk, right? I mean, the transfiguration, getting a glimpse of the glory of God, and it's almost like the sky parted, and God said, Peter, zzz, huh. That's where my mind. That's where my mind goes. It's weird how I read scripture. But then it says this, while he was speaking, behold, a growl cloud over, it does say while he was speaking, a cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son, Peter, hush, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him, not you, hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise, do not be afraid. How cool is that? Arise, do not be afraid. The heart of a savior. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying this, Tell the vision to no one. This had to drive Peter crazy. Tell the people to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Like, I read that and go, poor Peter. Like, poor Peter. Jesus just told him, don't you dare tell no one. You ever been getting him a secret and say, okay, there's a surprise party, but don't tell nobody. Like, don't, don't put me in that position, all right? And it's almost as if God said, Peter, I'm going to put you in that position. Don't tell no one until you experience the resurrected Christ. Well, guess what Peter has? We know that. And now what is he doing through these letters? He's proclaiming. The word transfigured to change the outside to match the inside. Peter was given a small glimpse of the true glory of Jesus. No wonder. No wonder this man was determined to remind them, to remind us, to stir them, to stir us. He had personally witnessed, think about this, the second coming majesty of Christ. He personally witnessed Moses and Elijah affirming Christ as the Son of God. But even more than that, he personally witnessed the Father speaking, affirming, This is my Son in whom I have well pleased. How could he not, as he's writing these words, say, Hey, truth, 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 be aligned in truth, walk in truth. This is not truth that was stirred up in my own heart. This was truth that was given to me by the power of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that is inspiring this truth. Go back now to verse 19 and look at what he says. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, not just to hear, but to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter's reply to those who would question the validity of even his experience is that believers have even a better source. The prophetic word confirmed the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And this is what it says, that the man of God may be complete, mature, thoroughly equipped, equipped for every good word. He says in verse 19, look at what he says, which you will do well, notice this, to heed as a light that shines 
in a dark place. Are you in a dark place? Notice how this works. You got to know the Savior. Got to have a relationship with Christ. As you have a relationship with Christ, you are indwelled by his Holy Spirit. And as you're indwelled by his Holy Spirit, you take the truth of his word, this book that is alive, that is active, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance truth in the midst of our journey. And what happens when we heed to truth, not just hear truth, but when we heed to truth, when we surrender to truth, when we submit to truth, what happens? It is light that shines in a dark place, changes the lens by which we look through. We see ourselves different. We see the temporary things of our lives different. We especially see our struggles different. We especially see burdens different. But it's truth that shines in the darkness. Why don't we think about what, what did David say in Psalm 119? Though your precepts I get understanding. Verse 104, therefore I hate every false way. 105, your word is a what to my feet. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How important is this in our lives? What I heard this week in the conviction of the Holy Spirit is you're quick to proclaim it on a Sunday morning. Are you quick to live it on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday night? Are you quick to rebuke the lies of the enemy? Or do they have a tendency to stick? And so by the time you lay your head down at night, you are thinking the wrong way and you're seeing the wrong things. You're quick to proclaim it, but are you quick to heed to it? He says this, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. And then once again, he reaffirms the second coming of Christ. Until the day dawns and the morning star, I love this, the morning star means light bringer. Look at what he says, the light bringer. He's writing this out of a personal experience. He's given just a small glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. And so he's imagining that when the sky split and Christ returns, just what it's going to look like. And he says, when the light bringer comes, that there will come a day when Jesus will pierce the sky, when the day dawns, he says, Christ will terminate the temporarily earthly things, especially sin and spiritual darkness, and he will return in glory to establish his kingdom. How quick are we in the midst of our stuff to allow our hearts and minds to go there? Lord, I'm looking for you. I'm anticipating you. And Lord, if today is the day, man, I want you to see me walking in your ways. I want you to find me more concerned about your things than my things. And if today is the day, may you, as the day dawns, split the sky and be the light bringer. Look at what he says. I love this in verse 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter says, listen, you can counter it all you want. I've seen it. You can counter it all you want. I've experienced it. You can say it's a fable all you want. I walked with him. I failed him. I saw him. Not only in human form, I saw a small glimpse of his glory. And I'll never be the same. 
I was a personal eyewitness to Jesus. You know what's so cool about this? If you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, you can say the exact same thing. Hey, you can call it what you want. The world can laugh at it. The world can look upon this book and say, hey, you're just being small-minded. But guess what? I've experienced it. Guess what? I've seen it. I've encountered a Savior. I was out fishing. Maybe you weren't out fishing. Maybe you're just doing something else like Peter. But I was out doing my thing. I was out doing my thing. There was no fulfillment. There was no joy. But he came after me. He came after me. And when he found me, he changed me. And I know joy now. I know peace now. It doesn't mean my life is a bed of roses. I still have struggles. I still have storms. But guess what? He's given me a different lens to look through. I look beyond the temporary and I see the eternal. And if he comes today, I want to be be found faithful. There we have bowed, and there we have closed. How important is this to us? Do we get excited about it on a Sunday morning and then forget about it on a Monday afternoon? And so as I already said, man, my prayer each week, it's not random, it's not a coincidence that you're here. My prayer each week, first and foremost, is that if someone doesn't know them, that they will hear the truth of what he's done for you and the fact that you can. These aren't fables, okay? These, these are words written by men who encountered this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, not of the heart of man, but out of the heart of God. So, man, if you're here today and that void is there in your life, let me tell you something. It won't get filled with anything that this world offers. I, myself, and many can come on this stage and share testimony that we've tried it. It leaves you empty and it leaves you flat on your face, bottom line. Because God created you for something more. (laughs) He created you to have a relationship with Him and nothing else can fill that. So my first question simply is, do you know Christ is your Savior? Can you honestly say that you've confess your sins, turn from your sins and call upon a Savior cried out for him to live within your life all of this begins there and then to believers as the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is leading you in truth do you heed to it? you run right past the red lights I see it, it's red I'm going to do my own thing it can happen with the truth of God's word how important is, is this book in our lives? And so my prayer each week again, God, God hey, it's the work that only he can do in our hearts. It's heart stuff. So my prayer right now is in the battle of even this invitation that the enemy would be bound from this place because recognize that the enemy opposes truth. Even right now, as the Holy Spirit is speaking truth into your life, I guarantee you the enemy is opposing it. Bottom line. Will we heed? to the calling of God. Lord Jesus, we praise you for who you are and for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, that there upon the cross you took our sins, but we thank you, Lord, that there upon the cross we recognized that there was an exchange. There was an exchange. Our sins upon you, your righteousness upon us. We stand before the throne guiltless, cleansed because of what you've done for us. 
May we never be the same. May we never be the same. And may we stand in the truth of your word of who you are, who we are. May we stand in the truth of your word. And when the lies come, may they be opposed and rebuked by the truth of your word. We believe it whether we can see it or not. We believe it whether we feel it or not. By faith, we believe it because we know it to be true. We pray it, we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.